This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Last week, uh, we changed internet providers at our house. Uh, last summer, we noticed an army of white panel vans scoping out our neighborhood. That was an awkward moment. Uh, but they started to dig up property and were putting trunk lines down in the ground. So we knew that something was on the way. Something was going to happen. We just didn't know what it was. A month ago, my wife received this advertisement letting us know that another internet provider was coming available. And we thought, is this something that we should pursue? Because to be perfectly honest, our internet provider wasn't necessarily very reliable. And my sons would bemoan and decry the injustices of great lag whenever they were playing video games. For the, some of you are like, what's lag? Like, you know, it's, you're playing on, you're doing things in a video game and like stall and stutter. And like, you hear them scream, the lag, the lag. It's a great injustice. Apparently, this is a terrible thing when you're a young teenage boy. Uh, I tried to explain to them that you are talking to a friend through a cartoon. That's on the other side of the world. That's miraculous. Okay? There's no lag. If I wanted to talk to a friend growing up, I had to get on my bicycle, I had to ride the four miles uphill, dodge the Amish gang that lived at the top of the hill, that's a different story, <laughs> and go talk to my friend. Any lag was how long did it take me to get up the hill and pass the Amish gang. You don't know lag. I'll tell you lag. However, however, because, you know, I want to be a good dad, and that means giving my kids whatever they want. Um, I was kidding about that one. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. We, so we started to ask ourselves, hey, you know, is this, is this a service? Is this a provider that we could swap out? And so my wife, she called him and says, hey, you know, we got an advertisement. We wanted to know a little bit more about your service uh, that, that, that you're offering. And they said, okay, well, let me, let me explain to you, them talking to us, about what you're currently receiving. They're like, okay, sure, that'd be great. She says, currently, you have a, a service that provides 100 megabytes per second internet access thing. Like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, 100, 100 of them. Like, this is what you need to understand. Like, that 100 that you think you're getting, you're not getting. It's actually tapped into by everybody else that's in the area that's actually tapping into it. I'm like, excuse me? Like they said, I'm getting 100. You're not getting 100. You're getting a part of the 100 based on what everybody else is also grabbing. I'm like, they're cheating on me. I'm like my internet provider's cheating on me with everybody else in the neighborhood tapping into the thing that I thought that I was getting all by myself. Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. That's about it. We will give you 500 of the 100 things, MBSs, I don't know, that you can get dedicated line into your house, just you, just for us, just for you. You get 500 of them, just us. Like, this is awesome. This is incredible. Devoted, just completely devoted to you. No one else. Like, and so, oh, and, this is, and we'll throw in a gift card. Ha ha, all right. It's all good, you get a gift card. We get a gift card. Awesome. And so, 
And we said, that'd be great. We'd like to make the change because then we have this dedicated, faithful, devoted, reliable line that connects us to all the wonderful things that is the internet. No lag. The dedicated time that was appointed, it was supposed to take three hours. Uh, because of what Miguel had to do, it took him almost five hours of pulling these lines down the road and down the road and down the road to get to our house. We felt so bad because we're like eating dinner and, and Miguel's like drilling holes in the house and working its pitch black out and he's all COVID proofed and everything. And so we got him dinner ready and we fixed him dinner and sent him home with cookies and bread and, and meals and prayed blessings over him. So Miguel was so sorry. Oh, it was great. Happy to do it. I'm like, whatever, dude. You were supposed to be home two hours ago. I appreciate that. But here, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Jesus bless you. Here's dinner. Here's dessert. Thank you so much for providing the dedicated, faithful line where there's no sharing whatsoever. It's just for us. Faithful. Completely faithful. I said, thank you. We've been learning what faithful means, right? You can't serve two masters, can you? What does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be dedicated? What does it mean to be reliable? Been asking ourselves this question as we get towards Easter. Am I a dedicated, faithful follower of Jesus? Or are my devotions spread all over the place? My commitments spread all over the place. A few weeks ago, we said that a, a faithful, a good and faithful servant invests in the kingdom's interests only. That's their priority. What does the master want? What does Jesus want? And I'm going to invest my life in that. And then we saw how Jesus lived that out himself. Jesus who said, if I'm going to save the world, I need to dress for work. And how did Jesus dress? He dressed as a house slave. He said, hey, if you're going to reach the world, you're going to reach the world as a servant. If you're going to change where you work, if you're going to change your family, if you're going to see your marriage transformed, you need to get dressed like a servant each morning. You need to dress up like a slave. That, that's the priority. Last week, if you're able to be with us, we were uh, visited by Teo Makamba, some of our global partners um, in, in Rwanda. He survived the Rwandan genocide in the 90s. One of 300 out of 50,000 people in his district were slaughtered. One of 300 that survived. Came to the United States. Jesus saved his soul. And then God said, I want you to go back. Can you imagine that? Let me ask you. Is Teo a good and faithful servant? Is that, is that, that, isn't that a good and faithful servant? To go back to the very people that slaughtered your family. With the, with, the, with the message of Jesus. I think he's an example of a good and faithful servant. Today, we're going to see how the Apostle Paul also was the example of faithful. In fact, the Apostle Paul was the model of faithfulness. How do you measure faithfulness? Let me ask that question. How would you measure it? How would you quantify it? How would you know if you are being faithful? If I were to ask you, hey, are you a faithful follower of Jesus? How would you be able to answer it? Honestly. Truthfully. What, what would you look to? What met, metrics would you depend on? How, what would you rely on to help you honestly answer, am I a faithful follower of Jesus? The Apostle Paul is going to help us with that 
this morning. He lived a life that was Jesus only. There are letters in the New Testament in your Bible that the Apostle Paul wrote to various churches. Churches he was trying to encourage. Churches he was trying to help. Some churches that he needed to correct. One of the churches that he was working through was in a city called Corinth. And in that church, actually a series of house churches, there was an influx of false prophets false apostles and prophets that had worked their way in and kind of led those churches astray. And Paul starts to confront them and says, hey, those guys are false. Let me show you what a real apostle goes through. Let me show you what a real faithful servant endures. I want to read to you a little bit of what Paul might say is his resume as he compares how he is held onto the gospel versus what these other false apostles were going through. Just listen, and let me read a bit of this resume to you. This is actually, if you want to look at it later, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, are they Hebrews? Well, I'm a Hebrew. Are the fossil apostles Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? Oh, I am too. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. That's kind of gutsy, right? He says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. It says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, at night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, also danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city and dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all of the other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So while these other false apostles might have been setting up these great, beautiful pedigrees of what they had done in their success, Paul says, you know what I've gone through for the gospel? Let me show you what a faithful servant has to endure? Are there any questions that the Apostle Paul's faithful? All the way every day, right? Kind of had this Dr. Seussian feel about it a little bit. Dr. Seuss is very popular this week in the news, wasn't it? Very popular. And I thought that'd be a great opportunity to incorporate Dr. Seuss into one of my sermons because that's just the kind of guy I am. How many of you are familiar with green eggs and ham? That's a great, isn't that great? We made green eggs and ham yesterday for breakfast. Just because if you tell me I can't, I'm probably going to do it. Um, green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. Would you eat green eggs and ham in a house? Would you do it with a mouse? I will not do it in a house, and I will not do it with a mouse. Would you do it with a fox in a box? I will not do it with a fox in a box. As this one friend tries to get the other friend to eat green eggs and ham. But as you listen to what Paul says here, it kind of has that, that canter and that feel as one person maybe is trying to communicate to another person. Get Paul to let go of the gospel. Could you, Paul, could we get you to let go of the gospel? Would you let go if shipwrecked three? Would you let go if adrift at sea? Would you let go in trouble or pain? Would you let go in the cold or the rain? In sleepless nights and hungry plights, surely you'd let go. Oh, you just might. But what would Paul say? Say, no, 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 I won't let go. No matter what might come to be, Jesus the King is first for me. 
right? And that's it, isn't it? You can only speak of faithfulness in the presence of resistance. You can't say you're faithful if that faith is not meeting any resistance. So that's why Paul is able to say, do you want to know my commitment? I've been shipwrecked five times. I've been adrift at sea. Jews beat me multiple times to the edge of my life. I did not let go. I'm in danger from the Jews. I've been hunted by Gentiles. I've been hunted in cities. I've been hunted in the wilderness. And I did not let go of the gospel. I'm not letting go of the gospel. I am faithful to my master. Faithfulness proves itself through resistance, temptations, and distractions. So you don't tell me you're faithful to the gospel. You show me you're faithful to the gospel. Paul helps us unpack the challenge of faithfulness. In another that letter that he wrote, and this is to the letter to the church that's in Philippi. Philippi was a city, a prominent city. And there was a small band of Jesus followers there that the Apostle Paul cared for for a few years and built a beautiful relationship with them. But they found out, guess what? Paul's back in jail again for the gospel. He's actually under house arrest in Rome waiting to appear before Caesar. He's chained in the house. He's chained to the imperial guard. His freedoms are, so they write him a letter and say, hey, we want to send you some help. We want to send you some aid. We're worried about you. Paul, are you okay? He says, hey, his letter back to them is the response. He said, I want, to, I want you to know something. I'm great. And actually, the gospel is spreading and it's advancing. I am chained. The gospel isn't. Let's, let's find out what that takes and what that looks like. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 1. And this is the passage that we're going to drill down on uh, today. So in Philippians chapter 1, that's in the New Testament. It's this pretty small letter. It's only four chapters. Sloan will have it up there for us to go through. I'm going to read verses 12 through 21. You can follow along online. You can follow along with us here. Let me read for you as Paul shows us faithfulness. Philippians 1, starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy or rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, uh, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Well, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, 
To live is Christ. And to die, oh, that's gain. I think there's a, a few things in here that will help us today as we consider what it means to be faithful. Things that Paul has mentioned and let me unpack. The first one is this. In your notes, let's write this down together. Faithfulness and faith must link. Faithfulness and faith must be linked up like a chain that connects. Let me give you a chance to write that down and then let me try to explain what I mean. Faithfulness and our faith, what we believe, need to stay connected. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Paul has this to say. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Like the chains that keep Paul bound to the house, like the chains that keep Paul bound to the imperial guard that's watching over him, our faithfulness and our faith have to stay connected. What we say we believe must make its way into how we actually live. You can't say you follow Jesus and then not actually follow Jesus in every aspect of your life. You must be faithful. He says to advance the gospel. Do we know what that means? That term gospel. Uh, if we all said, hey, I know what the gospel means, there's a chance that we all might write down different things. Here at House on the Rock, we are learning to understand that that better news, gospel, the better news is that King Jesus has come. And he's restoring all things. Death and sin are dealt with. Paul himself unpacks gospel in a couple of his letters. I'd like to read one to you. This is 1 Corinthians 15. This is him speaking. This is what he says. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Meditate on that phrase. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. Here's the gospel. You ready? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to scriptures. That's gospel. That's the gospel. According to an apostle who actually learned it from Jesus. What's the gospel? Jesus, he died for my sins. According to scripture, he used the term Christ. Referencing back, he is the promised king, the promised delivering one from the Bible. He has come and he has set me free. And he's doing it all over the place. So this is what's advancing. This is the message that's growing. Well, how is it growing? Because he's stuck in a house, man. He's stuck with a bunch of guards watching. Well, this is not a happy place. Man, if he were on Facebook, he'd probably be complaining about it all the time, right? How, how rough his life is and how hard things are. That's what he'd be doing. What is he doing? He says, through the imperial guard and through all the rest. When you think of imperial guard, I want you to think of like Navy SEAL meets Secret Service, okay? These are the best of the best of the best of the best, 
Okay? These are the ones that are responsible for watching and keeping and maintaining the protection of Caesar, his household, his family, his palace. And because the Apostle Paul is waiting to appear before Caesar, he's under their guard, chained to them constantly, all the time. Okay? What they see in Paul proves Paul's message. Paul says he's a follower of King Jesus and he acts like it. There is not an inconsistency because this is what happens when the better news of Jesus is added to the better response of a Jesus follower, the gospel advances. The gospel doesn't grow if you say you follow King Jesus, but you don't act like it. Does that make sense? So it in fact captivates the person who's seeing it. Let me, I need an example. I, I, I need a good soldier. Adam, would you help me, please? Come on. Well, you're an elder candidate. You really have no choice. <laughs> yeah, all the way, buddy. All the way. So you are going to be our imperial guard. You are our praetorian. You are the embodiment of Navy SEAL meet Secret Service. So come on up here. I don't know if they let you have that grizzly Adam beard, though, but still, you look good. Handsome. So, now you can't smile because you're a soldier, right? You probably have to cross your arms because that makes you more intimidating. I'm scared. <laughs> so, round the clock, shift after shift after shift, I've got a guard that's chained to me in my house, and I'm Paul, duh, right? I'm the Apostle Paul, you're the Praetorian guard. Okay, if you are chained to the Apostle Paul all the time, what are you likely to experience? All the time. Right? So how are you? Tell me about your family. You know Jesus? I like Jesus. Do you love Jesus? No, no. You're a pagan. You, you worship. No. Like, you're not. You just, dude, you have to. Like, like, you know the guys that see an outside Buckingham Palace? Like that. Do that one. Okay? Like, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. No matter what I'm doing, where I am in the house, I am saturated in the message of Jesus. And it's going to, whether I'm washing dishes, I'm talking to Jesus. He's going to see me. I'm praying. I'm praying for the churches, right? I am consumed with my, for the churches. He's, he's got to see this. He has to watch this. He's listening to it. Hey, I'm going to ask him, hey, how's your family? Tell me about your family. How can I be praying for your family? At no time does he see me griping. At no time does he see me complaining. He sees someone that says Jesus is king and he acts like it. Now he might say, Caesar's king, this guy's a nut. But I tell you what, he believes what he says. What's going to start to happen to these guards eventually? Maybe not all of them. But what I say out here and what I do in their presence is going to start to do what? It's going to have to work its way into here, isn't it? So much so that the apostle says the whole imperial guard knows the message and others. And we'll get to the others a little bit later. Why? Because my faithfulness has to be linked to my faith. If I say Jesus is king, he better see me act like it. 
I'm certainly not griping and complaining on Facebook about whatever injustice I think there might be in the world. I'm manifesting love and joy and peace and gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. He sees me living self-control and it validates the message of the gospel. Thanks, buddy. You were an awesome soldier. You're dismissed. Well done. Well done. At ease. <laughs> I love elder candidates. They're awesome guys. I love hanging out with them, and I love pushing Adam's buttons. This is, this is what uh, Teo was talking about last week. I think he said this in the second gathering. He said, if you send me back, 1,000 will get saved. If they kill me, 10,000 will get saved. That's just the way it works. And he was very, he's, the man is faithful to the gospel, isn't he? For the Apostle Paul, he's saying to himself, if I'm in change for the gospel and you're chained to me, you are chained to the gospel. That makes sense. If I'm in chains for the gospel and you're chained to me, you are chained to the gospel. And he lived it out all the time. Could you imagine if we began to see everything in our life as an opportunity to advance the gospel, not our personal agenda, not our personal platform, no matter what it was, if it was frustrations at work or difficulties in a relationship or challenges with a child, no matter what the situation was, you know what? We're going to move the gospel forward through this. That was the Apostle Paul's posture. Faithfulness and our faith have to be linked together. Here's another observation. This comes from verse 14. Faithfulness links followers and courage. Like a chain. It connects these two things. It connects followers of Jesus with courage. Where courage might be very difficult to find. But seeing someone who's faithful, oh, it connects followers to courage. He says in verse 14, he says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because of what I'm going through and my commitment to hold on to the gospel, others in the church at Rome who are watching me, they've become more bold because of how I'm living. It's very key for us to understand faithfulness and fellowship go hand in hand. If you practice your faith in isolation, if you practice your life in isolation, you will find it very difficult to be faithful. Like an ember that's pulled away from the fire alone in the middle of the night, eventually it goes cold. And it saddens me to see brothers and sisters in the faith who again and again have chosen isolation and watching their faith all but go out. It takes the, an act of God's grace to breathe life back into them. But when I surround myself with people who are faithful, it, it encourages me to be faithful. 
I'll give you an example. A couple nights ago, we get a magazine. It's called Voice of the Martyrs. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. It's, it's, a, it's a, a magazine of testimony and encouragement, letting us know what our brothers and sisters around the world are going through, what they're enduring. And this ministry also goes to help subsidize and support Christians all over the world. And in the back of the March episode, there's just a few stories from the field, just kind of letting us know this is what's going on and this is how you can be praying. There was a short story of a, a Swiss missionary who was executed by Muslims. Uh, she was kidnapped, went back home, and then went back again. And they had her for four years, and they ultimately executed her. There's another story of a Christian family that was uh, living in a displaced camp. They had been kicked out of their country, but they were the only Christian family in that camp. It was a Muslim camp, and some of the challenges that they had endured they were trying to force the Quran upon them, but they remained faithful. And another story of Christians in a, a city over near um, Vietnam and how the government was restricting aid to go to them. Everyone else in the city was receiving aid, but the Christians were on a list. And the Christians were not allowed to receive any aid or subsidy. And so we sat down as a family and, and others, and we, we read through these. We read through these. Um, even my youngest son, because this is the faith. This is the faith. This is what's going on. We had gathered that evening for an evening of fellowship and celebration. And you're like, well, Paul, way to put a downer on it, man. You are a terrible, terrible host. I said, yes, I, I, actually probably I am. But what that fostered was a deeper sense of celebration and a deeper sense of fellowship and community and a deeper sense of God's blessing and provision. And so each of us read one of these stories out loud and then um, in, in the magazine they provided notes that you could fill out to be mailed back to the ministry that they'd send and put in the hands of other Christians. Because I believed I need my sons to see this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is the call to faithfulness. This is what it means to say, I follow Jesus. Yes, is there a promised hope? Absolutely. There's an amazing promised hope, isn't there? Yes. And King Jesus will come back and make everything right. And it will cost many of us our life in the process but we're not going to be surprised. Faithfulness links up followers. It spurs us on. It helps us keep pace when we want to slack back. My wife said to me yesterday, I want to go for a walk. And those of you who know and have watched my wife and I walk, it's not fair. <laughs> or even and Jackson, as we were getting ready to step out, and she was getting out the timer, and she was doing her stretching, and she was getting ready to walk. Um, Jackson said, are you going to go at mom's pace or at your pace? <laughs> and she said, oh, we're not going to go that fast. And she lied. <laughs> because then she pulled out a starter pistol, And so for 48 minutes and 22 seconds, because that's how long it was, it was like a rhino trying to keep up with a gazelle. <laughs> and I'm going to have Aaron do a t-shirt for me that says, Rhino and Gazelle Walking Company. 
had Elise not been there, I would not have done that. Because she was always just a little bit ahead of me. She's saying, no, he's a lazy bum. He wouldn't have done anything. She was always just a little step ahead of me. And it spurred me on to keep going. If it was just me, I wouldn't have done that. In isolation, not a chance. I would have found myself a tree. I would have sat down and taken a nap. But no, because she was there, because of her faithfulness and her commitment, it spurred me to move forward too. Be very careful, especially in a culture of COVID, that you are not isolating yourself from the fellowship. Like, oh, I just need some me time. Need to be safe. Safe is a very dangerous word for a follower of Jesus. Very dangerous. Parents, we must be faithful. I see parents here. We need to be faithful. There needs to be a consistency between what we say and how we live. Maybe some of you grew up with parents who said they were followers of Jesus but didn't act like it. That'll mess you up, won't it? That'll really mess you up. Let me get this straight. So you tell us, you tell us kids that we're, we're a Christian household, but you're acting like that and talking like that and walking like that and spending like that and drinking like that and eating like that. We might not have said that out loud, but it imprints itself upon our unconscious. There must be a connection. Parents, we must be faithful. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. When since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely. Let's run with endurance the race that's set before us. Witnesses meaning those who have gone ahead of us in the faith. Those who have finished well. Yes, Abraham and Sarah. Yes, Jacob, Jesus, the apostles. But 2,000 years of followers of Jesus who faithfully laid down their life and did not let go of the gospel. Third thing that we can see in this Write this down in your notes. Love strengthens faithfulness. It's love that strengthens faithfulness. Paul goes back and forth between these two types of, uh, uh, of preachers. He says, some preach, some share Christ out of envy and rivalry. Yeah. Others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. What we do, we do it because of love. Because of the love of Christ that's been poured into our hearts. Because we have fixed our eyes upon Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because we look to the cross. And his love compels us. I was reading over the gospel according to Mark again and again this week. Just wanted to get it into my head and I want to see it and I want to feel it. and I want it to saturate my being. And you get to the Lord's Supper. You get to the last part of Mark where Jesus has them all together. And there's this great moment where Peter, with great confidence, says, I will never leave you. I am with you to the end. And all the disciples are like, we are with you to the end. Yes, it's this awesome big man moment. They're probably thumping their chest to the end, to the end, to the end, because they think they're marching unto glory, right? They think they're marching and they're going to get themselves a couple thrones. They're going to get themselves some nice palaces. Oh, we are all together. We are doing this. And Jesus looks at Pete and says, Pete, you're going to deny me three times before the sun even comes up. Oh, 
no, no. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And all the disciples are like, we will never leave you. We will never run out on you. We are faithful. We're reliable. We are with you to the end. Jesus, it's us. Let's go. Glory. Here we come. Less than three hours later, they all run away in the presence of the Jewish temple guards. And Peter himself, who has distanced himself during Jesus' trial, the young girl comes and says, hey, I saw you with Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. And he says, no, may I be damned to hell if I know that man at all. Not very reliable, are they? They weren't very faithful, were they? But then something happens. What happens? It's called the crucifixion. It's called the resurrection. It's called the Holy Spirit breathing life and love into their souls. And then what do these guys go do? They change the world by dying for the gospel. Love makes all the difference. So if you find yourself, like me, struggling with faithfulness to Jesus, because I tell you, sometimes it's just easy. How many of you made a commitment for Lent? Like, hey, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give that up. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, some of you have. And some of you, I know that, and you didn't raise your hand. And I know why you didn't raise your hand, because I asked you about it. (laughs) Hey, how's that going? Well, most of the time, it's pretty good. Okay, most of the time, it's pretty good. Most of the time, it's pretty good. It's hard to be faithful sometimes. I get that. But it's love that fuels our faithfulness. It's fixing our eyes on what he has done. And it's opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Wash in me anew and fill me anew with your love. Love strengthens faithfulness. And finally, the fourth thing that I'd like you to write down, but please don't put your notes away as soon as you fill this in. I know what you do. Your sermon's over. Last fill in. Faithfulness links to everything or it means nothing. Our faithfulness needs to link to every aspect of our life or it means nothing. Paul said, and this is just verse 21, just verse 21. He says, for to me, to live, it's Christ. To die, that's gain. For to me, Living, it's all about Christ and dying. That's his game. All the way, every day. He's not going to let go of the gospel. He's not letting go of his master. He's clinging to it. He's not just faithful for one hour. He's faithful all the time. Husband, are you faithful to your wife? Oh yeah, most days, absolutely. Does that work? Does that count? Most days. Most days. Christian, are you faithful to Jesus? Absolutely. One hour, Sunday morning, a couple times a month, I'm there. I I am there, man. Are you a faithful follower of Jesus? I'm faithful when I'm driving my car. Right? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I need to be faithful when I'm driving my car. How many of you sometimes struggle when you're driving your car to be faithful to Jesus? Spouses, you're not allowed to poke at your other spouse. It doesn't work that way. No. It's like, yeah, but... 
No, you have to be. If the gospel, if I am chained to the gospel, then it's every aspect. I'm pulling out of Troy Christian. My kids had violin and piano lessons. I'm pulling to the roundabout. You know the new roundabout that they put over by Troy Christian on Dorset? Those of you who know, it's a little baby one. It's a nuisance of a roundabout. Nonetheless, that's what they did. Still, so here it is. I know roundabouts. I've lived here almost six years. I know how roundabouts work. You have to set your faith apart. You just, you, because it's all about survival. It's survival, right? Right? It's, it's, you do you, man. You do you. When this, when this space, you gotta get that car in there. Because, oh, here's my turn. I'm in. I'm in, right? Okay. There's like, oh, no, I want you to go. Oh, no, you go. No, no, you Truck ahead of me was pulling into the roundabout. There was no one that was oncoming, so that meant it was my turn, right? That's how that works. Truck pulls out. There's no one coming. I follow along. I'm at 6 o'clock on the roundabout. There's a minivan at 3 o'clock, and he's revving his engines. And he looks at me with this disgust and disdain of Satan himself. I'm just following. I'm on the roundabout. I'm in the roundabout. I'm in the roundabout, following the truck, going to go around. He looks at me through the window, and he does this. Four. I'm like, what's four? Like, is this, like, I know what it means to flip someone off. Is this like four times that? Like, is this, is he that mad at me? That it's like, four. I'm like, what's four? What is four mean? And he did like, four, four, four. If some of you know, maybe there's some inside Ohio and culture I haven't gotten yet. I mean, is that like some secret slang language for something else? Because I was confused. But here's the challenge. I've got Jackson and Lucas in the car. And clearly he's mad, which means I want to have fun right now. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Like, just stop my car completely. And, but, you know, I, I couldn't. Because I'm, I'm connected to the gospel, aren't I? I'm, I'm chained to the gospel. And I can't set aside my faith because, so what did I do? I blessed him in the Lord. <laughs> and I waved. <laughs> I can't set aside my faith, right? When I'm at work, when I'm doing my taxes, my marriage, my kids, when I'm talking to that political relative on Facebook who just knows the buttons to push, I'm chained to the gospel. I can't set that aside. And find an exact, the rougher it gets, the more I'm convinced that the farther the gospel can go. Paul saw every moment and situation as one to advance the gospel. You get to the end of the letter to the Philippian church. And Paul says, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. You're awesome. I'm so thankful for you. The brothers and sisters here in Rome, they say hi. And those in the household of Caesar say hi as well. You're like, what? What's he talking about? How is it that anyone in the whole household of Caesar would give a rip about brothers and sisters in Philippi? How, what would make that possible? How is that possible? Because in Paul's mind, if that guard is chained to me, that means he's chained to the gospel.
And those guards started to take the message back. And those guards started to take the message back. And it began to work its way through the household of Caesar himself. So much so that they gave their lives to following King Jesus. And so what might have started off as a guy like this, at some point maybe, as Paul's writing this letter to this church, tell him I'm, I'm praying for him too. We must stop breaking and separating what we say is our faith and the way we live our life. They must stay connected. The love of the gospel is so powerful, it can change the hearts of the most hardened pagan warrior. It's that powerful. We just have to be willing to die for it. Artist, would you come up, please? The Apostle Paul said, let your, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I've, I struggle with that. I have a hard time. There are parts of my life where like, yeah, man, Sunday morning when everyone's looking at me, I can look the part going around a roundabout in Troy, four. I struggle. I struggle. Maybe you're with me this morning. You're like, yeah, Paul, it's, um, I don't know how you measure faithfulness, but I don't think I'd do very well this week. The gospel is that big. How great the Father's love for us. Amen? Before Aaron comes up, why don't we just quiet our hearts and our minds? Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Spirit, help us in this moment. If you are here and you would say, I really struggled this week, I pray for you. I pour, I ask that God pour his grace upon you. His forgiveness and his love. He put the pieces back together again for you. Believe me, the Apostle Paul dropped the ball sometimes too. God, may your grace help us in this time. Thank you that we have the table now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.